Guys, welcome back to Adventure Calls. I'm Jess Drucker, your host, and I'm also the author of How to Move Abroad and Why It's the Best Thing You'll Do. This interview today is a little bit different than the normal episodes that you hear here on Adventure Calls. It's part of the 2021 Global Relocation Conference I'm hosting over on Instagram. These are live interviews taking place over 10 days. I'm talking to relocation specialists who can actually help you move abroad. So you might follow influencers, YouTubers, Instagrammers who have moved to a certain country. They can give you lots and lots of inspiration and information on their specific journey and their experience. The difference is that a relocation specialist works with hundreds, if not thousands of clients who want to relocate to that specific country. They have a plan. They can foresee issues that you don't even know are coming. They can help you figure out which visa to apply for, how long the immigration paperwork will take. They can help you figure out what neighborhood to live in, what school to go to, what apartments to buy, how to learn the language, what language schools to go to, and more. Relocation specialists save you time, they save you money, and you can work with them. I've got specialists from Japan, Portugal, Italy, Spain, Antigua, the UK. I've also got experts in taxes and finances and planning how to budget your move abroad. Is it going to be easy? No, it's hard. It's hard to move abroad. It's hard to live on another part of this planet. But you know what else is hard? Not living on another part of this planet for part of your life, if that's something that you're dreaming about. you got to pick your heart. Which heart do you want to go through? The heart of not doing something? The heart of not living out your dream? Or the heart of making it happen? With this 2021 Global Relocation Conference, I want to help you make it happen. I'm choosing that hard for you. It's free. It's on Instagram. The interviews take place every morning, Eastern Standard Time. Check out my Instagram at Jessica V. Drucker for more information. The link in my bio also takes you to my website. And you can also see all this information in the show notes of this podcast. For now, I hope you enjoy this interview. And remember, if you hear a whisper, that's your call. Follow your call to adventure. If you're listening to Adventure Calls. Okay, happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to day five of the 2021 Adventure Calls Global Relocation Conference. Um, as always, I'm your host, Jess Drucker. I'm also the host of the Adventure Calls podcast and the author of How to Move Abroad and Why It's the Best Thing You'll Do, with an emphasis on why it's the best thing you'll do uh, for many reasons. Um, and today I'm really excited to bring on, We I get asked a lot about how to move to the UK. I'm very excited to bring Sylvie on, who's going to give us the lowdown on how to do it. Um, before I get there, I just want to bring to your attention a little bit about why I'm even doing this conference and what relocation is all about and working with the relocation specialist. Um, you know, it's really, really important when you want to move abroad and you're going from dreaming about it to making it a reality, finding people online who you trust to learn how they did it. There are influencers everywhere on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok, and they document their journey and they help you figure out how to do it too. Um, that's you know a great way to find information on singular stories. Um, when you actually go to say, when you wanna say, okay, I commit, I am moving abroad. So in this case, I'm moving to the UK. 
it's great to follow those people, but also working with a relocation specialist, you, you hire a relocation specialist and they do this with hundreds, if not thousands of clients. They have the experience it takes to not make the mistakes. You might see your, your friends, your influencers making. So you see that the influencers may be like making a mistake and then recovering from it or hear, hearing about rumors related to a visa. So I heard you have to do this. I heard you have to do this, but this worked for us. With a relocation specialist, all those answers are there. You save time, you save money. Um, and that's why it's it's become really important to me to connect you to actual relocation specialists who can do this work for you. I mean, they really save you time and they really save you money. So on Tuesday, I'm actually opening uh, the sale for my 2022 Global Relocation Guide. This guide is literally like an old fashioned phone book of names, phone numbers, email addresses, social media handles, um, backgrounds, bios, LinkedIn, um, everything you need to get in touch with a relocation specialist in the country that you're looking to move to. And they can actually make it real for you. The guide also has things like a quick guide to insurance because figuring out health insurance is crazy. A quick guide to banking and budgeting uh, your move a quick guide to uh, or a library of resources. So books that can also help you. So it's got really everything you need. It, it has a bunch of quick guides and contacts to people who can help make your dream come true. Uh, I don't want to over promise, but I think that Sylvie uh, can do just that. I'm going to read her bio before uh, I bring her on. Um, so Sylvie Froger is, uh, she went through the pain of trying to relocate herself from uh, the, I think she was in Switzerland uh, and she was relocating to London and she made a lot of mistakes herself. I'm going to let her tell those stories if she's so willing. Um, but Sylvie's originally from France. She launched Simply London after a personal relocation from Switzerland to London went awry, even though she considered herself at that time an expert expat. She had already lived abroad. She thought, oh, I can do this all myself. Turns out, um, so she had had this international career in Germany, Switzerland and Denmark. She had to arrange the move on her own and she found a lot of problems. Um, even the most experienced expats need a helping hand, which is why Sylvie founded Simply London to work with expats relocating to the capital and surrounding home counties. I'll let Sylvie explain her domain of focus in the UK, but we'll also get into things that are generally speaking how you would relocate to the UK. Um, Simply London works with expats coming on their own with a family or with their company. And she, the team she has built focuses on areas of expertise, including home search services, school search services, settling in services, move coordination services, visa application services, tax advice, intercultural coaching, language services, and more. Uh, and with that, I'm going to add Sylvie to the live right now. Simply London. Okay, so as soon as Sylvie comes on, there she is. Okay, welcome, Sylvie. Hello, Hi. can you hear me well? Just checking on the microphone. Yes, I can hear you well. Fantastic. Okay, so Sylvie, I, I saved some of your funny stories. Um, if you wouldn't mind giving people a little bit of background, I just gave a nice long background, a little bit of background, and maybe, you know, share a story about uh, your relocation gone awry the first time. Maybe. <laughs> so um, thank you for the introduction, uh, Jessica, uh, for the very kind introduction. And I really liked also your wording about, you know, 
the relocation specialist removes so much of the pressure right. of the work um, and, and gives so much guidance, which is really what we are about and any other relocation specialist, really. Um, so I'm going to give my favorite story, which is when I moved uh, from Switzerland to the UK, and that actually explains why and how I created Simply London. Um, as you very rightly said, um, I had a sort of, um, well, almost arrogance as of, you know, I've moved already, you know, from and to four countries. So one more move, easy. So I did, I did the Switzerland to move um, to London flight uh, to actually go and look at uh, rental properties. You know, the usual, you, you take a few days off, you fly over, you look at rental properties. So I did, flew over on my own to London. Uh, took a rental car, um, which was, you know, very generously paid by my company, but that's all they were really uh, giving me. And then first, obviously, I had to drive on the other side of the road. The wrong side. With. The wrong side of the road. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Incorrect. <laughs> the incorrect side of the road. Um, it was very hot on that day. I still remember it to this day. And then also it was on a motorway exiting an airport. I mean, it really can't get more dangerous in a sense. Um, so anyway, sort of, I made my way uh, to, to town with um, a map printed on the passenger seat because at the time there were no GPSs. So I was, I was there with my printed map, which was the only thing I had to sort of find my directions. Um, I did my, my property viewings then realized that here in this country, you negotiate your rent and your terms of your lease or negotiation. I was like, what? In, in Switzerland, Germany and France, you just take it as, you know, as it comes, you take it for the price that is indicated and you sign. Um, so it was just like really um, a discovery um, of many things, not all of it being negative, but it was just, I just remember it as a really, really stressful day. Um, also trying to, again, find my directions. We had no Google Maps at the time, which makes, now makes me sound really old. Um, so it was really, well, not scary, but like nerve-wracking, I would say, um, to, to drive in this car. Anyway, I found everything. I've been here for 17 years now. But at the time, um, I thought, you know, really, this shouldn't be like that. Um, you know, it, it just, you know, I wasn't focused on my new job, which I should have been. Um, I was just busy trying to get my internet sorted and yeah. um, I couldn't understand the BT engineer on the phone because I think they were from Scotland um, and I had to, to call them back. It was really embarrassing just because I couldn't understand them. So I spent hours and hours not focusing on work, uh, which is also not productive and not the point of being relocated for, for work, really. Um, and so that's what spurred me a few years on uh, to create Simply London and really... As the name says, it was about making it simple for people to come over to London uh, and other parts of the UK, uh, as you've mentioned as well. Was that a good story? It was, it was <laughs> a great story. And, you know, with, with the not understanding, I mean, so you're originally from France. Obviously, French is your native language. Obviously, your English is fantastic. But it's not just, you know, it can be difficult to understand on the phone for me. I remember even in person once, I got off a train very early in the north of England. And the only thing open was a Burger King and I wanted coffee. I ordered coffee. I had no idea what was being said to me. I think I was in Newcastle. I had no idea. No idea what was being said to me. I hadn't had coffee yet, obviously, so it, that was hard. But no, I, it was so hard. So anyway, so the point is, like, there are lots of these little unexpected things, but, like, sorting out your utilities, your internet, your Wi-Fi, these are all key things that you need help with. 
And of course, we can all do it on our own. It's not a question of whether we can or can't. It's like, there's actually someone though who can help you foresee so many of the issues you might have. And that's, I love that. That's that's what actually made you start this company. So that's, that's amazing. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, so you focus on what's called, what you call, or what is called London and the home countries, counties. Can you explain what the home counties are? And then also, you know, can we just go right into this question? Is immigration policy the same throughout the UK? So the things that we're talking about today, is that the same throughout the whole UK? Sure. Of course. So the home counties, I think the official definition, and I always thought, what's the home counties anyway? Home of what? Um, and I still don't have the answer to this day. But <laughs> it seems to be the counties around London that sort of touch London somehow. And when we say home counties, we actually mean it's obviously everything around London and any location that has, you know, a direct train or train at least into London, maybe within an hour, an hour and 20 minutes. Right. That's really what we cover, uh, which is quite a large part of the UK anyway, at least of Southeast England. Right. Um, well, and, and then, you know, Southeast England, I think, is where the, it's very dense and where, a lot, you know, the, a lot of expats relocate to. But in terms of immigration or all, you know, all the things that we'll be talking about, is that UK wide? Yes. So um, the United Kingdom is not always uh, united on all aspects of political life or, or anything or many aspects. But actually, in terms of immigration, it is. So the rules we will find in England are the same in, in Wales, in Scotland, and in any part of Northern Ireland, uh, in any part of the UK, the United Kingdom. So it is united in terms of immigration. Okay, so just to be clear, the United Kingdom, because it's very confusing for people who don't know the difference between Great Britain, the United Kingdom, England, Wales, Scotland. The United Kingdom is England, <laughs> Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. That's correct. Um, I believe Great Britain is as well. Um, and I think, and I'm saying I believe because um, I always found it interesting that this is the only country that has several names somehow. Um, you know, when you scroll with, through these lists of countries when you are on a website, and then sometimes you have United Kingdom, sometimes you have Great Britain. So um, I find it quite fascinating. So England, Wales, Scotland are, let's say, regions, if you want. United, the United Kingdom, and Great Britain, I would say, or all Great Britain as a name. Yeah. I hope that's also it clear. Yes, sure. It's also, I mean, I live there and I get confused. It's also super confusing because some they have their own national teams. They compete separately uh, in certain events and certain whatever. So, yeah, but the point is everything, we, wherever you want to move UK-wise, this is what we're talking about today. Um, so, let's, so my audience is primarily American, um, U.S. American, uh, also Canadian, and of course, people from around the world as well. Um, but what are the visas or what are the ways that, you know, North Americans, let's say, tend to be able to relocate to the UK? What are common visas? So the most common visa will be a work visa sponsored by a UK employer. So they need to have a, what is called a sponsorship license um, to then um, apply for visas for their employees from around the world and, and so the US as well. That's the main visa type that we deal with. Um, there is also a spouse visa. If you are married to a British citizen, for example, you can come over on a spouse visa. Student visa, 
Uh, we also see a lot of them, obviously, for, for studying, but we see a lot of uh, Americans coming over for MBAs, for example, so master's degrees, etc., uh, in some of the you know, high-ranking um, London universities and colleges. Um, two other types of visas we see, and one is quite recent, and it's called the Global Talent Visa, mm. uh, with a, a, a wonderful name, which is mainly targeted at high-level technology-oriented um, people uh, who really need a lot of talent. So it's not an easy visa to obtain. Uh, we have had a few clients coming over with it, and it's quite a process. Uh, but it's a new visa, which is really targeted to sort of attract uh, technology talent. And then the last type could be an investor visa, although that's not a very common one. And it means you have to invest a few million pounds um, into businesses and have a, or, or, and, or have a business plan, and then you might get a visa. But really, the main one is a work one. That, that's usually the main route. And, and the work visa, so I have a couple of questions. So in terms of the investment visa in the UK, it's a couple of million pounds. In I think the cheapest country in Europe to relocate to, if you want a, what's called a golden visa, is, is the island of Malta. Um, I think that's actually the cheapest. Um, Spain, Portugal, I think that it's about 500,000 euros. I imagine that the UK is that high, like a million or two million pounds, because you can't just buy property, uh, otherwise everyone would Correct. in London. Exactly. Yeah. Right now, I think it's about 2.5 million. Yeah. So it's not for the faint yeah. hearted. Pocket change, pocket change, no big deal. It's fine. Um, um, and you need a proper business plan. Sorry. Julia. Oh, right. No, I interrupted you. Great. Okay. And, and a proper no, Got it. Makes sense. It's not just the fund. You also need to show that you are going to invest and create growth in the country. Got it. Okay. Um, now tell me about the work visa really quick. Are, do people apply for jobs and get hired or are people more often relocated within their multinational company? Both, really. Mm. Um, we, we really see both. Um in equal proportion, to be honest, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the easier visa will be the one which is a transfer, yeah. uh, which, which, which sounds logical in a sense, because then you, you have to prove that the person has been with the company for a while, uh, which is certainly easier than when you hire directly into the UK. But we have a lot of people who manage to come on a visa, uh, for the, you know, employed for the first time in the UK, and also since Brexit, the UK has made certain things slightly easier for non-European citizens uh, to come over to the UK on work visas. They have also accelerated um, the, the process uh, by which they uh, process the visas. Uh, so they've made it a little bit quicker and a little bit easier than it used to be um, for work visas, for new employees, if you want, for new hires. Interesting. Yeah, I would imagine that they need to get uh, more people back in the country since Europeans probably mm -hmm. left at some level, uh, having gone, gone back. Or back didn't come up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So, and that's a little bit different to other countries in Europe as well, because, you know, this was something uh, that I experienced as well in the UK. Is I don't have a special talent that is my native language. If you move to Spain or Portugal or France, your native language of English really helps you uh, find work, even if it's in a, an office job, but being the, the native English speaker in the office is an advantage. In the UK, 
your North American accent is not an advantage. And also sometimes they like to make fun of. I'm just gonna say it. Um, no, so so you're, that skill that you have, that's like an automatic skill in another country, you, you don't have that when you move to the UK. So you have to really find a job or get a, I went on a master's degree. I got a master's degree. That's how I relocated the first time to the UK. And I think that is really common, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but also, I would say that a lot of the American universities and graduates um, are highly regarded in this country and, and quite attractive to employers. And also, I think having you know American employees can open doors and also integrate the American culture into maybe multinational organizations um, when they don't want to be too British, for example. So many benefits uh, for employers, I would say. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay, great. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so let's let's shift a little bit into like the intercultural or other sort of like settling in service difficulties that people have when they relocate. So however they've done it, they have a visa, they're living in the UK. What do you find are some of the really common challenges that people have when relocating to the UK? So um, I guess, funny enough, I'm not even going to talk about homes or, or rentals. It's actually the bank account, which is one of the major challenges here. Yeah. Uh, because uh, in many countries, you can open a bank. In fact, you need a bank account in order to do many things. And here in the UK, it's the contrary the bank account is almost the last thing you can get because you need to have um, a permanent address pretty much to get a bank account. You need two proofs of address. So you need your bills and stuff and everything to open a bank account. And that can be a major headache sometimes. That's actually one of the main challenges. Interesting. Um, so that's a general one, by the way, not just London. Uh, it's just uh, because that's how the banks work in, in the UK. And then I guess the other one is in terms of properties and rental properties i was mentioning the negotiation uh, but it can be very strange to start a negotiation on on renting a place um, and knowing what you actually negotiate on beyond actually knowing um you know which elements to sort of negotiate but actually what are they do i negotiate just the price are there any other elements so that that can definitely be a, a challenge which can be overcome but it's definitely one I think of the big differences that you might see to the US or Canada or, or many other countries. Um, yeah, and what is negotiation British style even like? Like, is it like who can be the most polite? Like, what is how hard do they drive a bargain? I'm sure there's a dance that's like an American would probably be very upfront, you know, about certain things. I bet there's a polite dance to be done. Yes and no. I think um, at least when we work uh, on behalf of clients with estate agents, we know the drill. Right. They know our drill, so we 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 go straight into it and we not have a you know a process etc. Right. So we don't spend hours being polite, which doesn't mean that we're not. But uh, at least we we don't do that. So I guess you know the Brits. Of course, their reputation um, is that, you know, the most important is to be polite, etc. But when you work with them in a work relationship, uh, they are more straightforward maybe than their reputation might give them. And in my view, they are closer to the German work culture than they would be to the French one, for example. So very straightforward, structured process. Generally speaking. That's really interesting. Yeah, because the German is very straightforward. There is no mucking around. 
Correct. Yeah. I think the Brits are pretty much the same, but maybe that's not a view that is shared by everyone. <laughs> no, yeah, but it, but it's still true. I mean, you're right. You know, there are the stereotypes, but also like you don't have to waste time. You work with these people all the time. You have a mutually beneficial relationship with them, meaning you bring them a lot of clients. So yeah, you don't have to waste a lot of getting to know your time, which is like a, a big benefit, obviously. Correct. One situation where we might dance around a little bit is, and we had it recently, where we had there were five offers on the same property and we were we were representing one client, so one of five offers. We were, desperate is not the word, but very keen to get the property for the client. And I think my team member, she sent uh, pretty much an A4 email to present the client's profile and, and sort of really tell a story around the client and we got the property. That's where we would spend time um, actually dancing around and, and being polite if you want to. It, back to interesting. Work. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that. That's really interesting. So, okay. So negotiating the, the cost of uh, a rental or a purchase, um, what are some other like sort of intercultural things that would surprise people about moving to the UK? What is, what is surprising about life in the UK for people? So a couple of things, um, and I thought about this question beforehand because there is so much actually. So I was like, yeah. what am I going to pick? <laughs> so you have no... If you go to um, a pub or a restaurant, well, a pub actually, let's say a pub or a, or a bar, there is no table service. So you have to go to the bar to order, which has benefits and inconvenience. Um, so that I think that's a cultural uh, change to the US where service at the table, of course, is like tremendous. Um, yes. So I think that's a minor thing, but I think it's a really interesting one. Um, another one to, to continue on the pub um, culture thing, which is very important in the UK, is that in the summer or whenever the sun shines, even if it's in the middle of winter, people, people will stand outside of the pub. Uh, there are no tables. They are just outside the pub with their drink. And I was once walking around in Soho with an American friend and she was like, what are people doing? I said, well, they're just drinking. <laughs> Uh, but she she thought they were waiting for something that was going to happen. So the pub culture is very important um, in the UK, as I'm sure the reputation uh, follows the, the breaks. Yeah, but I don't think even people realize how it's everything. There's a pub on your corner. You go to that pub. You spend time there. You go to the pub after work all the time. It, it's a huge part of the way that it's like the social juice i guess it's really what gets people to socialize it's 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 a real serious part of the culture actually it's fun but it's real absolutely and in a sense if you want to be part of that society you almost you don't have to drink alcohol but you almost have to go to the pub and there are other things than alcoholic drinks over there um so I think, you know, that, yeah, it's really an important part of, of that culture here, definitely. You know what, that's a really good point, though, because if you're trying to integrate, it, you know, it, it, as, a, as someone without a community, you wouldn't think, like, oh, I'll go to a bar. Like, in the U.S., it's, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think I have to go to the bar. But if you want to integrate and meet people, you even if you have a family, you have to figure out ways to go to the pub. And I, I have seen children at the pub, especially for like Sunday roasts and things. It's it's not uncommon to even like bring families at certain times of day. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, it, it's also called the second living room in the UK. Because that's where people obviously would go outside of their living room as their second one. And I think also compared to the US, because the UK is such a small island and interior space is a lot smaller than in the US. So when you want a bit more space, you actually go to the pub because it obviously is larger. Uh, there are other people, etc. I think really it's also related to the fact that we live in small spaces. So we actually want 
um, more space, but we can't get it from inside. So we actually go somewhere else. Um, I, I really think there is a, a relation between the two. It's not the only one, but it's a very important social element. And for work as well, uh, in pandemic times, less so. But, you know, the, the trip to the pub on Thursday or Friday uh, is quite important. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, I, I'm going to ask you another question related to this in a second. If anyone else has questions, we have just five minutes left. So if you do have questions, please feel free to put them uh, in the in the comments or in the question box, and we'll try to answer them before we, we sign off. Um, so and also, and if there's anything else in terms of intercultural uh, um, communication or miscommunication that you think is important for people to know, I know for myself, and you know, I know I'm just one person who lived in the UK, it, we all spoke English, but man, we didn't. I spoke a different language. I found, I found it very difficult, almost more difficult to integrate in the UK than in Germany, for example. So um, I think it's important to talk about. So if you did have any other sort of inter intercultural things that you think people would be interested in, I'd love to sort of hit those points with you today. Well, I mean, I will just say one word, water, uh, which is Sorry, you will pronounce it better than in America. But yeah. if you say water, water. Uh, in this country, I don't think you will get it. I, I just find it fantastically funny that it's the same word um, and the same language, and and it's not understood necessarily uh, in here and and the reverse as well. By the way, if I order water in the US, uh, <laughs> it doesn't always work either. Yeah, no, that, that, we say water. Um, Emily, Emily Blunt does a really good, uh, imitation of American saying water. Um, yes, no, that's definitely true. Okay. And then in terms of like the actual technicalities of moving, um, especially to London, I think a lot of people think they want to move to London. What are, in terms of setting up your life in London, what are some of the difficulties that people have? Um, we talked a little bit about utilities and setting those up, but what are some other things that people should know when they're moving to London? Well, the, you know, in London, there are probably about 70, 80 different neighborhoods. So the choice of where to live is really important. Most of London is very safe. That's actually, I think, really important to know. Uh, we get clients who say, I want to be, you know, in a crime safe area. And for us, you know, 90% or 80% of London is anyway. So we're almost surprised by this question. Uh, but most of London is, is very safe, really. Um, no joke. So that's actually a reassuring fact. And then choosing your neighborhood and looking at your commute time uh, with public transport, for example, don't forget that. Um, you could be on, on, a, on a tube line, but actually there are not frequent, there are, the trains are not very frequent. So don't forget to check also how many trains an hour you might get home. Things, you know, small details like that, that can make a difference on a daily basis. So when you make your choice of neighborhood, really important to look at lots of things including public transport to work if that's how you are going to travel yeah that's a really good point though because the tube and even if there are frequent tubes it can be so full i mean i don't know now in a post-covid world but just generally speaking the tube is about half the size of a new york subway in terms of the room that you have in there and i think there's twice as many people inside <laughs> it's really crowded right yeah and there's always there's always engineering works meaning you know construction and things yes. like that right Absolutely. So sometimes it might be better to actually be at the end of the line and have a longer journey, but you actually get a seat than being um, on half the journey, but you actually stand and can't do anything. Yeah. Read or anything. No, that's a really good point, because a lot of people in London are willing to share 
rooms with strangers. I even remember seeing ads for sharing beds when there were shift workers. So like two people sharing a, a, the same like bed in the morning and in the afternoon. I mean, some people really will go to great lengths to live in like a more central London area, but the outskirts of London are, are beautiful. Absolutely. You just have a longer journey in. Exactly. <laughs> um, we had one question. I, I think it's interesting. I'm not sure how much you know about this because this isn't exactly your specialty, but it's about the diversity in the workplace. Um, there was a question around like, what about ageism uh, as an example? So if you're a little bit older and looking for a job, do you find in the UK that there's a, a really serious attitude toward or, or experience of ageism in terms of being an older applicant? So my view on that and my experience, and I'm, I'm getting there, by the way, uh, very soon I'll be in there, um, <laughs> is that there is a very positive attitude to uh, age uh, in a career where, where you are seen as having lots of experience. And so jobs, you know, like, you know, consultants, uh, things where you actually overlook things, strategize, uh, you know, are consulted, are actually, you know, very, very um, sought after but also very accessible to people who are slightly older so i've seen very different attitudes in france for example it gets very much more difficult to get a job after 45 uh, whereas in the uk i actually think it, in a way it almost gets easier wow that's really interesting and what's the retirement age in the uk so for now we are at 65 years old um, I would expect that in a couple of years we'll be around 68, mm -hmm. probably 70 at some point. So 65 for now. Okay, great. Um, that, I mean, that's great. When I when I hear 45 as being where ageism starts, that that makes me nervous for everybody's getting there. <laughs> I mean, that it's an experienced age. It's not being old. Exactly. These days. Well, that's good to hear. These days, it's true. It's true. No, you're absolutely right. Um, okay. So speaking of very experienced consultants as you are, um, can you tell people how to find you and work with you if they're interested in relocating to the UK? Thank you for the opportunity. So we have what I would like to think is a great website, uh, which is called simplylondonrelocation.com. That's our main uh, sort of uh, channel. We are also on social media, um, usually under Simply London uh, handles. And what else? Um, on the website, you can uh, schedule a call with us. You can send us a message. You can chat with us. Uh, so many ways to contact us and then always happy to have a chat and give some advice. Thank you. That's really great. And you work with um, sort of do-it-yourself expats, right? So not only people relocating with their companies, but you would work with someone who is self-initiated, ready to move. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Anyone. Thank you. That's In wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks Thank so much you. for coming on. It was great talking with you. And guys, the, the, well, yes. anything that we talked about that requires links, I'll share in the show notes. And this will be up on both the Adventure Calls podcast and here on Instagram on IGTV very shortly. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Jess. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.